Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is a photographer who has photographed many pro wrestling stars, matches, world events, as well as been in the ring as a wrestler, manager, and boxer. He's also written a book titled When It Was My Life on Both Sides of the Camera. It is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Scott Romer. Scott, thanks for coming on today. Brian, thank you so much for having me as your guest. Oh. It's my honor to be a, a, to speak on Bumps and Thumps. Thank you. I appreciate it. When I reached out to you, you responded right away. Sometimes it takes time, and, and you responded right away, so I really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit, uh, starting out, about how you grew up. Uh, I know you're from Indiana originally. Uh, growing up. Uh, life as a child and, and some of your schooling, if you would. Well, I, I grew up as a hyperactive toddler, which led into my adulthood. Um, I always had a fascination for championship wrestling, professional wrestling. As a toddler, it was the first thing as I turned on the station, it was the first thing I ever noticed. Okay. Uh, okay. That, that was back in the days of the old black and white TVs with the uh, rabbit ears. Yeah. And it didn't come in very well. And I used to, uh, I bent the thing good enough to, the antenna good enough to, to get a slight image. I, and um, I was fixated with it. I, you know, when I was playing on the playground as a little kid, you know, uh, the, the neighborhood bully would come up to you and say, my dad is tougher than your dad. He could beat and I could beat you up. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably got a few beat up a few times. But um, um, the first time I turned it on and, and heard the adult wrestlers yelling at each other and saying the same thing, it rang such a bell in my mind that I fell in love with it instantly and watched it weekly uh, as, as, as a child. Um, um, I was hyperactive. I, I was, um, can't say thrown out of my schools, but they used to put me in the hall all the time. <laughs> and um, uh, my mom um, used to 
stomp over to the principal's office. What's my son doing in the hallway? And um, uh, she pulled me out of the Indianapolis Public Schools and sent me to uh, a wonderful grade school, grade, it went all the way up to ninth grade, nursery school in ninth grade, Orchard Country Day School. Yes. And and uh, David McLean of Glow and Women of Wrestling fame was my classmate, and we became really good friends. And um, both of our parents used to drop us off at the wrestling shows. We would go together, and um, he would he and I would bring our cameras, and we'd sneak over to ringside, take a few pictures. The cop would throw us out. We'd go to the other side and lay low, take a few pictures. And um, our pictures were really good. And I started selling them at the wrestling shows uh, during the intermission without without the permission of the building or without the permission of Dick the Bruiser. And this went on for uh, 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 probably well over a year. You know, uh, during the intermission, we'd pull out, we'd have a stack of pictures, we'd pull them out. I want this one or that one. And we would walk away with maybe a hundred dollars. Oh, wow. Uh, which, which was good money back yeah. in the 70s. And, and, uh, I was selling my, my pictures were good enough. I was selling them to Norman Keatser's wrestling news. He had a regional magazine. It was national, but it was regional. So he had WWF, AWA. Portland, they were different yeah. issues, and I would shoot for the uh, AWA WWE Stranglehold Edition. Again, I would do this with with David McLean. Well, um, it got the attention of Dick the Bruiser, and one of the head cops came up to me and said, "Bruiser wants to see you right now." And um, they marched me up to the dressing room, and that sort of smartened me up. I saw all the wrestlers kind of huddled together speaking with uh, regular English accents or regular American accents and um, um, just past the wrestlers dressing room was bruisers bruiser and Snyder's and they opened up the door sent me to him and uh, he said I hear you're selling pictures yes sir I am and um, uh, well the what I've seen so far they're really good and uh, you're more than welcome to sell pictures as long as I get 20%. You got to give Wilbur Snyder and me 20% to keep on doing it. And that was my pass into the dressing room. We used to wait with a cooler beer with the wrestlers, and we were usually the last ones called, and we would drink up as minors the leftover <laughs> staff here while Bruiser and Snyder drank their Japanese. Let's see, Snyder drank champagne, Bruiser drank the Japanese beer, and we would get fucked up in the dressing room with <laughs> the Bruiser and Snyder, and he loved having us around. It was yeah. just David and I, and we would close up the Indianapolis Convention Center, leaving sometimes at uh, uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, yeah. walking out with Bruiser and Snyder as the last people in the building. And... Wow. Um, um, my my wrestling pictures gained the attention of Bill after, so I moved up from wrestling news, which we pretty much uh, told him what we wanted, which was probably fifty dollars per story. But if you do, I'm, I'm talking about wrestling news. If you do four stories, that's two hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. um, 
the big one was Bill After's magazine, and and um, I hooked up with him as a freshman in high school. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, amazing, and I want to talk a little bit about more with with Dick the Bruiser. You became close to him. Uh, you did marry his daughter. Talk about that relationship, how that developed from the time you guys met in his office for those photos to being a member well, of the family. Well, you know, if Bruiser went to Japan, they'd give me a call. He'd give me a call personally and stick the Bruiser on the phone <laughs> and, and um, um, ask me to come over and take a passport picture. I had my own dark room so I could make it the size uh, of, of, of a passport. And, um, um, he would ask me to join him at the channel six studios where they end channel four studios in Indianapolis when they were doing the tapings. And I would help carry the big 32 and 72 millimeter heavy tapes out to his car and glad to do it and sit around, watch the promos. And I got to learn a little bit about the business. Um, my ex-wife, Michelle, beautiful woman, was married to Spike Huber. And Spike ran off, ran away, left with another woman, and um, and I moved in. And um, um, six months later, I was married to Michelle, and I was Dick the Bruiser's son-in-law. And that uh, uh, during that time, he created a role for me to play, which was a manager. They called me Saul Creechman. I was a combination of Eddie the Brain Creechman from uh, the Sheik's Territory mm -hmm. and um, Saul Weingroff, who was a well-known manager in the southern states, uh, Tennessee. And um, uh, so I became Saul Creechman, a bad guy manager. Wow. And uh, they really didn't train me that much other yeah. than what I got in the ring. Um, um, I was actually wearing gym trunks my first few matches and they were pulling them down and pulling <laughs> up, tying me up on a, you know, with, with, uh, uh, with my jock strap and, and chopping my chest. And, uh, um, uh, Roger Kirby, um, gave me my first pair of boots. Oh, wow. Um, Sammy DeSero gave me, who was Eli, who was, uh, uh, I, he was a tag team partner with uh, Mad Max, Sammy DeCero, Supermax, and Mad Max, who became Eli the Eliminator and in, in, um, uh, for Fritz von Erich's territory. But um, I became the manager and um, uh, setting up the ring yeah. and yeah. Jack all trades, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I was mentioning, uh, I, I yes, I was married to michelle bruiser's daughter for about five years yeah. and um she was a wonderful woman but only had a spending problem and and um i just couldn't afford her so yeah. um i had to go and then she married uh, the golden lion and um okay. uh, tim rip logo he's a really nice gentleman uh uh, res wrestling promoter in the Fort Wayne area. He became the son-in-law after me. Same thing. He couldn't afford her. So he uh, uh, brought me and Spike in on a wrestling show in Fort Wayne 
that he was managing, and Michelle uh, uh, led the way with the bruiser dog, and we all got into the ring somehow or another. We got knocked out or whatever, um, Tim and I, or we were sewing or whatever. But she ended up leaving with her first husband, Spike Huber, <laughs> and been married ever since, living in a beautiful home. Uh, the kids uh, are are. are are normal and, and doing wonderfully. They're not kids anymore. They're adults. Right. And I'm, and, and, and we're all friends, you know, everything's cool. Now I had a, 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 a stroke shooting Rip Rogers high school reunion back in August. And, um, uh, I was in the hospital for over two weeks and, um, heard from Michelle and it was nice that, uh, she was thinking about me. So, yeah. Uh, if she's watching, thank you, Michelle, and you always be in my heart. Yeah, that uh, I remember seeing that on uh, Facebook with your with your stroke, and when I saw you at Cauliflower Alley Club, I was very happy that you were doing so much better because that had just happened the month before. And I was wearing one of those colostomy bags or whatever you call it, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't control my peeing. And I thought my life was over. And um, um, I, you know, uh, Bobby, Bobby Fulton had throat cancer and his throat got clogged up and he was on a feeding tube. Well, I'm on a feeding tube as well, but I outgrew it. I'm still wearing it. It's uh, right here. I don't mean to gross anybody out. I'm sorry. I can't. You're going to. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Right. so, um, you know, I thought back of Bobby Fulton and how he um, conquered his cancer, his mm-hmm. positive outlook. And I picked myself up and said, I'm not going to live like a like a um, interval or whatever the word is I'm yeah. looking for. Um, um, and, and so I uh, uh, without use of a walker, which I've still got, um, I went to the CAC and it was the best therapy. Yeah. I could I could have I walked the runway going to the airport. Mm-hmm. Now I was doing um, occupational or occupational and speech therapy, so I was learning to walk again shortly before the CAC. Yeah, and uh, and uh, since I got home, I haven't used the walker. I've been a uh, a problem patient, I guess you might say. Well, no, I mean it just shows that you're determined to get back to your normal self as much as possible and i commend you for that because some people would be feel defeated and just roll with it and use the walker and 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 do that so i i i commend you for that sir well thank thank you very much i'm far from a hundred percent and my ring in ring days are probably yeah done you know i would manage every few months uh and and hang out with the guys and yeah it's it's nice. I'm I'm not real crazy about today's product, yeah. but I put up with it because uh, I I still like to stay relevant. And I've got a book to sell, so I do go to yeah. uh, different uh, fan fests and wrestling shows with my good friend Rip Rogers. Okay, well that's great. Yeah, we'll talk about that book here in in just a few minutes, a little more in detail. Want to talk to you a little bit, if we could, about you're traveling, you know, you did a lot of pictures. There's a lot of photos you did. You're, you're, you know, one of the most famous ones was the one that, uh, tail, uh, dark side of the ring, Bruiser Brody one. 
Um, where was that taken at uh, when you did that? Do you remember? You know, I think that was Dallas, Texas. Okay. Because, um, yeah, I think it was Dallas, Texas. Okay. I, I uh, you know, in my career as a professional wrestling photographer, I worked during the heyday, during the, excuse me, during the 80s, Mm-hmm. With uh, the all the major wrestling organizations, um, and I never had to reach in my pocket to pay for my expenses. Um, I was working with Japan's Gong Wrestling Magazine. Um, Gong Wrestling Magazine publishers are Nippon Sports. My agent was Wally Yamaguchi, and he took care of me. And I would be a ghost photographer, meaning my pictures were in another magazine called uh, Deluxe. It was also a baseball wrestling magazine in Japan. Baseball is the number one sport, and wrestling is number two. So that gave me the connections with Inoki and and, uh, Baba and and, um, um, uh, Onita. Okay. So... um, uh, in addition to Gong Magazine, I would work. I was working with Bill After. Now, what I would do is, good Gong Magazine. I used to get the wrestlers' addresses and their telephone numbers, and help get them booked in Japan. Okay. So I was over. I was a baby-faced photographer with all the boys. I never had problems with anybody. Whispers would be around. Be good to him. Blah blah blah. And with After, I did a lot of front covers, my most famous one being a uh, David Von Erich with the claw and Ric Flair, where you can see Ric Flair's dental work. It's a real close-up. Wow. I did that at, in, in St. Louis. My big areas were I worked with Memphis, yeah. uh, Christine Jarrett, yeah. uh, Jerry Jarrett's mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would work uh, um, all the different Memphis Areas, you know, uh, which was um, uh, Louisville, Nashville, Memphis, um, um, and and uh, St. Louis, St. Louis Wrestling Club mm-hmm. for Bob Geigel, president of the NWA, who was in partnership with Harley Race. Mm-hmm. So I had I had good, strong, um, um, independent territories. Yeah. that I was working. I was sent up to work in Stu Hart's territory, AAA, um, Carlos Pinas, I think was his name, uh, who owned AAA at the time. Um, and I am also responsible for, uh, I'm, I'm known, I'm the photographer uh, for the infamous Onita stabbing angle. Let's and talk that, about that. Let's talk about that. Well, I I was sent to Puerto Rico. They wouldn't tell me why. Met up with Onita, who had a limousine, and Jimmy Suzuki. Jimmy was in on it. And um, it was just Jimmy and me, Victor Quiñones, who was part owner of um, WCCW. Is that what it's called? Uh, World right. Council Championship w- Wrestling. W- yeah, World Wrestling World Council. WWC, yeah. Owned by partners Jose Gonzalez, murderer of Bruiser Brody, yes. Carlos Colon, 
and Victor was one of the owners and he was with us the whole time. Um, uh, was picked up in a limousine, uh, driven to, uh, and I didn't know where they were taking me. I'm just really thinking it's cool that I'm with these stars yeah. and, and, and traveling, you know, you're not, you know, they want you there. You don't ask questions. Right. And, um, I grabbed, uh, Onita's bag and walked into the building and, um, sitting at the door was Jose Gonzalez. I walked in and looked him straight in the eye and waited for Onita to come, you know, and protect me or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it was really a, a strange situation. Then, um, other photographers from Japan showed up and uh, I still didn't know what we were doing. So they did the fake, uh, contract signing. They beat up Onita. He gigs and everybody, all the, uh, everybody from, um, the Puerto Rican area left the building, leaving us with just Onita, the other photographers, Jimmy Suzuki and Victor Quionas. And at that time, after everybody left, Onita, is taking a blade and, and slicing into his own stomach oh, and having yeah. me take pictures uh, holding a stomach as though he had been stabbed. Now, he wasn't getting very much blood, so it didn't work. I was hearing him, he's, <clears throat> and then he'd slice it, and, uh, not enough to make a good visual. So I took, I told him, uh, you know, there's a lot of blood on your head and also what spilled on the floor, just scoop it up. And put it there. He did, and I'm taking pictures, and I'm looking around like, why is everybody watching me take pictures? The Japanese, and then um, somebody pulls the goddamn fire alarm, oh, which no. brought the um, police, firemen, and an ambulance, and and they load uh, Onita onto the gurney, and I'm still taking pictures of all this. Yeah, and then. Um, Jimmy Suzuki says, give me your film now. Or, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Then we went to the um, hospital where Onita was at, mm -hmm. and they had given him a stitch. So I got pictures of him in his hospital bed. And, <laughs> and then uh, the limo took us to like a CVS, um, you know, a drugstore where he rented crutches and put on a sling. So I'm taking pictures of Onita hobbling around the airport with crutches and his head bandaged up and a sling. <laughs> and uh, that's when I when I was asked to give all my film to Jimmy Suzuki so he could fly it to Miami. Now, they've got a really bad um, shipping, you know, post office. Things just might not show up, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was important for Jimmy to take it to Miami and get it shipped out quick enough. So it will make the front page of the evening newspaper in uh, Japan. And it did. There were pictures of Onita uh, pretending to be stabbed, bleeding everywhere. And a headline was Jose Gonzalez tried to kill Onita. Outrate photos by Scott Romer. <laughs> in fact, they, they, they put a picture of Onita and me at the airport when, oh, with Onita no. in the sling. So uh, they were using me as a stool pigeon. Uh, the reason they were doing the uh, uh, contract signing was uh, uh, that was they were going to bring 
Jose Gonzalez to Japan with Jose thinking that he was going to wrestle. And, um, um, you know, through the grapevine, I heard that the Yakuza out there who owns wrestling was going to take care of matters in their own hand. (laughs) So, uh, and, and that is why they used me as the photographer because I was American. And did it was you, a stooge job. And yeah. It was, it was a, a stooge job that they didn't let me in on. And um, yeah. uh, like I said, uh, uh, the country was outraged enough that uh, it wouldn't be any problem to make people disappear, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Did you get a lot of heat for that when you when it came out? I I didn't. That's I good. didn't because I, you know, I I didn't talk to Anita after that and. I wasn't getting that many wrestling assignments. This was 1990. My peak was uh, like 82 to 87. So okay. I was in and out here and there. So I didn't hear from the guys. I didn't realize how serious and how far it went until somebody mm-hmm. sent me a sent me the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And uh, there I am on the front page. And um, um, if you look at Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal's, if you look at the YouTube clipping mm-hmm. where I talk about it, that's the front page of the Japanese newspaper. Okay. There's, there's a, the uh, the picture they use for the Onita stab, or the, the picture they use is the Onita stabbing angle that okay. they use, and then my commentary on his podcast website, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Wow. So, I, I, I was... Um, I, I wrote Jose through Kayfabe Memories, which was a territorial website, very yeah. popular mm-hmm. in the uh, early 2000s. So I don't hear too much about it, although I will look at it. But I, I went to the um, um, Puerto Rican section of it and, and wrote down after I figured it all out. It took me a while to figure it all out. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, oh, I forgot to mention it. I didn't mention this in the book. So I'm going to tell you, I've only told one other podcast. What's I was thinking, what made me so much different than the other photographers? No, I'm, I'm good. Maybe it was my personality. I didn't cause heat. I dress good. But just like the wrestlers, I had girlfriends in different territories. <laughs> and I was used as a stepping stone uh, to, so they could get sort of get backstage or whatever uh, yeah. or, or up to the ring or whatever to get noticed by the other wrestlers. But being a stepping stone and getting laid isn't a bad situation to be in. No. <laughs> I wouldn't give it up. So after, <clears throat> after these, after the wrestling shows, um, these girls would pick me up our girl at the time, different girl would pick me up. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd go back to their place and, uh, and do it. And, um, and, and I would then pull out my camera and they let me take nudies of them. So during my, during my, uh, you know, so I could just see, I would send the film unprocessed to Japan, um, and, and, uh, federal express them and they would develop them themselves and can you imagine they're like, oh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden here comes the nudies. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I did that four or five different times. So it kept getting me gigs. 
So uh, I became, you know, uh, I'm up there, I think, with um, 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 George Napotopit. How do you pronounce his name? George Napotopoulos? Right, 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 right. That's it, right. And Bill After, and, you know, yeah. so I made my name in, in the business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Grew, and I didn't, I forgot to, to mention that to Cosper for the book. <laughs> That's great. Let's talk about your book. When it was my life on both sides of the camera. You, yeah, put it, there you go. Amazon. Yeah, there it is. Amazon, you could get now. Um, if they use the bump, if they can write me on my Facebook page, okay. uh, let me know that they are a Bumps and Bumps um, listener, and I will pay for postage. So wow, with okay. me, you could get, you know, $20 will get you the soft cover book. Okay. I'll pay for postage. Write me on Facebook. Uh, message me, I mean, and, yep. and I'll write back, and then we could you do PayPal or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will autograph it. Now, also, you could go to Amazon and get it. Now, I'm not going to get any, I'm not, my commission isn't as big when right. it's, or John Cosper's isn't as big when it comes to, uh, uh, when it goes through Amazon, but it's mm -hmm. one day. You and, and it won't be, it won't be uh, autographed by, yeah. by me. No. So uh, we'll have that description all down in the description, all your information about your Facebook and everything. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. So, you know, we, when I did the intro, you've been a photographer, uh, wrestler, uh, manager, even a boxer. So I, I want to talk about this boxing thing. I, I mean, that surprised me. How, what was that like for you? Well, my book is dedicated to four men that uh, uh, gave me opportunities at different parts of my life. I had a father that was not very nice to me. So I found four fathers during my youth and adulthood, one being Dick the Bruiser, another one being Sam Miniker, who was Dick the Bruiser's ring announcer, um, the other one being Fred Burns, who was, was a Midwest boxing promoter, and uh, <laughs> Dick the Bruiser, Fred Burns, um, Sam Miniker. Okay, I, na I named them all. And uh, and George Randazzo, I apologize. George Randazzo, who was president of the National Italian American Sports Hall of Fame, and that's owned by that that is being their directors are a lot of uh, uh, influential um, uh, wise guys, I guess you might say. Um, it, it still exists to an extent. Yeah. And yeah. I became George's personal photographer. Um, okay. which, which, uh, and he was also a boxing promoter as well. And, and I became Fred Burns's boxing photographer and we, we shared an office together. We promoted matches all over the country wow. and we wow. sent, we built records for fighters. And then what you call is when, when they box for big bucks, but you know, they're not going to win. I was sent to uh, different places around the world to escort the fighters where they could fight the uh, homecoming, uh, the home Homewood fan or the Homewood boxer and mm -hmm. the, the big ticket seller in, in yeah. different countries is what I'm trying to say. You call that cashing in. Okay. I was a mule. 
I if they, if they got twenty thousand dollars, I would carry ten thousand dollars back. I would also see to it that they got their work, road work in and mm-hmm. got their hands wrapped and got paid. You know, oh. I sometimes I would chase down. It wasn't as luxurious as you think it would be. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times I had to track down promoter, but uh, I would regularly go to Denmark or Germany, France, Denmark, Mexico, um, Canada, and and take fighters and um, um, made made all kinds of connections in the boxing business. Nineties uh, uh, and early two thousands, I guess you might say. Okay, I'm not doing it so much anymore. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, and, and a few times because an opponent didn't show up, I put on the gloves to save a fight and got my ass kicked, which, by the way, is how I met George Randazzo, probably my most influential person that helped me with. He got me the gigs. You see pictures of me with presidents and yeah. prime ministers, yeah. and very some of the most powerful people in the world. That's from George's connections. That's wow. George giving me. You know, uh, whispers in the ear, who to contact, blah blah blah. Wow! And he put in good words for me. Yeah, that's working on the book. Was that uh, what was that experience working with uh, John Cosper? Uh, what was that like for you, putting all that together? Well, I met John at a fan fest. Uh, I think it was Heroes and Legends um, in Fort Wayne. And he was selling uh, Pondo's book with Pondo. And I told John a little bit about me and, you know, hey, you know, I work with presidents, blah, blah, blah. And and uh, a couple months later, he called me up and said he uh, he's ready to work on a book. Wow. So uh, I, I gave him my stories through a uh, tape recorder. Okay. And, and, and he sifted through it and made sense of the words that I said. And uh, uh, created a, a really awesome book. You know, my book reads like a work, but it's a shoot the whole time. Yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll see how we, there, you'll, you'll hear about fist fights and fancy restaurants. And, and um, uh, there was a fighter that I took to Omaha to fight. And uh, he, he came back and, to me and said, when, when is my fight again? He forgot all about it. Oh. He was, you know, punch drunk, you know, losing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, he was a very articulate kid. Um, but, but um, um, you know, boxing has a way to make you a little nutty and stuff like that. Yeah. So I uh, I would be a babysitter, I guess you might say. So I made my living through boxing and wrestling. When I wasn't doing wrestling stuff, I was doing boxing. Yeah. Wow. So you know, lived off of a beer budget, but that's what makes it that much more interesting that I did find people to pay me to get these gigs in Washington, D.C., working with presidents and getting Secret Service clearance. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing. I, I read a little bit about that when you, the stuff you sent me. I was, I mean, you have a pretty amazing uh, career uh, for all you've done and, and everything. I wanted to ask you this on the wrestling side. What was probably besides Japan, obviously your what was one of your other favorite promotions to work with and, and take pictures besides Japan and Indianapolis, Dick the Bruiser's territory? Well, you know, um, 
all of them had their, it was so much different than Dick the Bruiser's territory. So getting out there mm-hmm. and seeing what wrestling was like in other mm-hmm. areas, seeing that they were not great big guys, guys like the Rock and Roll Express, the Von Erics, um, seeing these true athletes and much, much younger. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, it smartened me up on uh, every territory has the son-in-law or son that's the big superstar, you know. And so, you know, early on before the WWF took over, I, I did uh, Calgary, Canada and, and saw uh, saw Bret Hart, um, a young Bret Hart, who then was like Spike Huber for Dick the Bruiser, you know, yeah. uh, a son, a son-in-law, blah, blah, blah. So um, I got to see that there's different wrestling out there, guys yeah. that are in shape. They were using music. And uh, um, I have a good relationship with a lot of them still, yeah. a lot of the old-time guys, uh, thankfully through Cauliflower Alley Club. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, getting involved in that, you're one of the official photographers. You're on the website. How did you get involved with, the the CAC. Well, you know, I've been hearing about it for years, and um, even uh, before, even when Mike Mazurki was the president, mm-hmm. uh, he was an actor. Um, um, and then, um, you know, uh, I never really paid a lot of attention about should I go or whatever. And uh, uh, 2011, I think, was the first time. I went and I fell in love with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Darla Skaggs, who makes you feel uh, yes, very yeah. warm and welcome. She was a, a big fan in St. Louis and and used to uh, was used to talk to me every show that I went out there. She was like uh, family. And yeah. so, you know, there was a 30 year period that I didn't see these people. And then um, we we connected through Cauliflower Alley Club. And they're still like family. We, we didn't miss a, a, a beat on, on our friendship or, yeah. or talking about when this happened. That You've got Herb Simmons, yeah. who, um, uh, a great man. And, and mm-hmm. for, I'm, I'm really happy with what they've done with the uh, new staff, Rich Engling, I yeah. think is his name. Yeah. Uh, you've got Brian, of course. You've got Darla. And uh, even even uh, Barbara Brody, Barbara Goodish uh, helps out. So, um, you know, I still have a lot of enthusiasm and I feel, you know, it's a club that will have me as a member. And so I do the pictures and uh, send them. I I don't know what's I have no control on what's used for the ear, Mm. but uh, uh, I I, I send pictures and enjoy doing it, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a great organization. I went this past fall. That's how I met you. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed enjoyed it. My wife went with me, and she actually enjoyed it. She's not a big wrestling fan, but she liked the interacting with the group and the people there because they're it's very friendly. It's you. It's very fan friendly oriented because uh, the fans are there. They you know to pay tribute to these great legends and it was it was a lot of fun i i really enjoyed it and i plan on we plan on coming back for for future uh reunions so we're excited well i was there the year before 
And uh, tragically, a lot of people that were there died of COVID. Yeah. Um, Tom Cassante, uh, he was a wrestling manager. Uh, they hadn't heard from him. They found him decomposing in his hotel room. I think Sabu found him. Um, you've got the belt baker, red, red, the belt maker, the belt maker, Reggie Parks, um, the, the former president, Carl, Carl Lawler died. Um, um, uh, the referee, um, oh God, what the heck's his name? The one of the, the old referee. And, um, uh, there was a, uh, a great big, I can't recall his name, great big wrestler, they all died of COVID, man. Yeah. And and I was sitting in between and had contact with each of them. And um, so, you know, I can't stress enough how how important it is to get your shots and to get your booster because I would have been a statistic just like them. Yeah. I understand that. So, yes. So one more question before we leave. What? are you doing now is there anything you're working on some projects or just well, getting healthier i know you're doing that so is there any projects you're working on or anything well um rip rogers and i have been going to uh different wrestling shows and supporting them okay as as well as um selling our book mm-hmm. um i until i get better i'm not taking on any stressful jobs yeah um so uh, uh, sitting there and selling your book, talking to fans, it's it's enjoyable. And having Rip there, we have a good time. Rip is my roommate, by the way. Oh, okay. Right. Great. So, um, um, you know, he's he he's from Indiana, and I was around when he got his start. He's seen me at different parts of the country. Yeah. So we have a lot in common in that respect. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Scott Romer, sir, thank you for coming on. Buy his book, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have the information down at the bottom. Like he said, if you will put his Facebook uh, information on there, message the man. He'll pay for the postage. You just, uh, and he'll sign it, personalize it, sign it, autograph it for you, and send it to you. So, Mr. Romer, thank you for coming out today, sir. I really, Brian, really we got to do this. We got to do this again. You were a lot of fun. Well, thank, thank you. you very much. And anyone listening to me, thank you for taking the time. I enjoyed it. Call me again. We'll do it one more time. Yeah, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. If you're watching, folks, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. And if you haven't, please subscribe, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday... 9 p.m. Eastern. Just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, Pro Wrestling Interviews.
Com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know Ray there too, right, Ray? We sure are. And we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Steins of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. Yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Frisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an LA champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Apter, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a loss. Did didn't have anything to do with this? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this, that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. 
each and every Thursday night. Check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 